brand new sermon series called Doing It Right. Everybody say, Doing It Right. Doing it right. Like, you, like you mean it. It's a, that's a good, that, I think that's a money title for a, for a sex and relationship series, right? Like, you can take that many different ways. And so, uh, we're going to have a good time. I need you to lighten up, up with me. Some of you get really tense when you talk about these, these subjects. And so, some of you are like, I can't believe you're talking about these subjects in church. For me, I think this is the best place to talk about them. I think the reason that people are so messed up when it comes to sexuality is because the church has done a really bad job talking about it. And so I think we should talk about these things. So I want to give you a little background on how we got here. Uh, I go to, to a barbershop in town here, and I was sitting in the barbershop, and there's, if you ever got your hair cut at a barbershop, there's always constant banter going around. It's part, you pay, you pay $25 to get your hair cut, $15 is for the haircut, $10 is for the trash talking that goes on. And so you kind of just, just do that. And so I'm sitting in, in the, a lot of times you're over, you're kind of listening to things that you're not involved in. You're snooping, right? You're like, you're, 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 you're kind of peep, like, like you just turn your ear toward it. So there's one guy one time about two months ago, he's talking in his seat and he's talking about this new relationship that he has with this, this girl. I don't know this guy. I don't know the girl. And I just heard him. And as he's talking, everything he's saying, as a pastor, I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> I didn't say this to him. And I think, that's, that's dumb. That is literally, I don't know if you can say anything dumber. Like, like I, that's how, I mean, you ever been there? That's not going to work out. And then he says this at the end of it. He says, yeah, this time I'm just trying to do it right. <laughs> I almost said, stop cutting my hair. You haven't said one thing over the last 20 minutes that is right. You are doing nothing right. But he said, I'm doing right. And then I started thinking about it. I started thinking, this might be our problem. We, 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 we always think, well, I'm doing this right, but we don't really know what, what, what right is. And so what, what I want to do is I want you to understand that, that God is, is absolutely 100% for sex. Can I get an amen there? If you don't think he is, you haven't read the Bible. Like, from the very beginning, he makes Adam and Eve. He doesn't put any clothes on them, right? And he says, be fruitful, which is just the PG, the Bible version of saying, go over in that bush and do what the bunnies are doing over there, right? <laughs> That's what, make some babies, be fruitful, and multiply. It's not like God came back to the garden and was like, y'all, what are y'all doing? Like, Adam, get off of, of Eve. That, that's what he made them to do. He is 100% for sex. But here's the thing. He's also for, for marriage. There, 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 there's, a, there's a big problem in our society. In, in other words, if you do it God's way, he's for sex, he's for marriage, I think you'll be doing it more all day. Can I get another amen? I actually want to show you over the next six weeks that, that God has a great plan for sexuality, for intimacy, for marriage, for oneness, that it's actually more exciting, it's actually more fulfilling, it's actually the right way to do it. And the cool thing about it is it talks about it over and over and over again in Scripture. We're going to land in the book of Song of Solomon. It's an Old Testament book. It's actually a book of wisdom, the Bible says, and the entire book is dedicated to kind of figuring out how to meet the right person. We're going to talk about that today. You know, what type of seasons you should go through as you get prepared for marriage because oftentimes we go into marriage unprepared for what it's really like. You know, kind of dealing with things that, that try to ruin intimacy and then we're going to actually be able to take a behind-the-scenes look at their wedding night. It's going, some of you are like, I probably should skip church that week. No, you should invite all of your unsafe friends. It's going to be one of the best, best days. We're going to have a good time uh, about it, but it actually calls it the book of wisdom. And this is what I love uh, about that, that book being in the Bible. Here's what the Bible says about itself. Check this out. In the book of 2 Timothy 3, it says, all scripture, that means Song of Solomon, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, 
and, and I like this, and training in righteousness, oh yes, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What's the good work we're going to talk about? Sex and marriage. The Bible has training in it so that we are fully equipped to have a great sex life. Some of y'all didn't know this was in the Bible, but, but I'm about to, to show you. And here's the problem so many times that this is really in the Bible. We often will want what the Bible preaches, but we won't do what the Bible teaches. In, in other words, we'll, we'll desire the product, the, the healthy sex life, intimacy, marriage, but we refuse to trust the process. Come on, that's a sixers. A sixers. Trust the process. Let me give you an example. We have a Keurig in our office. We've had the same Keurig for seven years at Journey Church in the office. And so I bought it about seven years ago, six years ago. Uh, me and, and Leah were in the office for a long time. We didn't ever have a Keurig. Then John started working here and Sheila. And we had a couple other people that were working there. So I thought, you know, it, it, I think coffee prom promotes healthy, a healthy work environment, more productivity, and it's godly. And so I thought, man, it would be a great investment for us to have a Keurig in the office. So I went to Target one day. I bought this Keurig. I, I brought it in. I unpacked it, dumped water in it. We've, we've been brewing Keurig coffee for the last six years, seven years, something like that. We have a new, new girl working for us, uh, and she's come in to kind of help with the office and order papers and just, you know, keep us organized. And she said, hey, have you ever cleaned out your Keurig? I was like, that Keurig? She was like, yeah. Have you ever cleaned it out? I was like, I don't know. Have you, right? And she's like, have you ever changed the filter? I was like, what filter? It's, it's a Keurig. What filter? She said, well, can I, can I change the filter? Because you might, all be, you might be killing us all, right? Maybe what that, you know, that black stuff on your tongue is it's called mold. And so, so she, she, she goes and she orders filters and she does all this stuff. And she, she begins to, to try to mess with, with, with the Keurig. And she comes back to me. She's like, did you ever put a, a filter in the Keurig? And I was like, I don't know. So then she starts to take this whole thing apart. I want to show you a couple pictures of our Keurig. She starts to take this whole thing apart. This thing used to be white, I believe. It's, it's, it's gold now. Uh, and then the next picture is even grosser. If you can see it, it's kind of hard. This is green mold growing in our Keurig. And so, like, this has been going on for I don't know how long. So she, she texted me back. She's like, can we get a new Keurig? And I said, why? She said, because you might kill us Oh, and let me, let me tell you what happened. You can take the picture down because it's gross. It's, it, let me tell you what happened. I got the Keurig. I was so excited to get the Keurig out that I didn't read the instructions. I just unboxed it. I dumped the water in, and we started brewing K-cups for the last seven years. Never put a filter in, have never cleaned it out in my entire life. In fact, I got one at my house that I haven't cleaned out ever either, right? Never did any of that. I, I wanted the product of the Keurig, but I had no time for the process, I, had abs I didn't want to go read the instructions, clean it out every 30 days, do this, do that. I just wanted the instant coffee. And this is what I found to be the problem in our society. We want, we want sex the way we want it, and then we hope it brings us intimacy, and it continues to bring us shame and brokenness. And the truth is, we want the product, but we refuse to trust. Come on, we're going to have fun with this one. Trust the process. And so what I want to do is I want to show you over the next six weeks that there is 100% a process that God has lined out that where we can have, we can have great marriages, we can actually like our spouses, come on, that's a good one, uh, we can actually stay married, we can actually have healthy, I'm talking healthy sex lives, not ones where it's like, okay, it's our, it's our, it's our anniversary, we got to do that again. <laughs> like where you actually see the person and you go, dang. God, you're good, right? 
Like you actually like your spouse. You're not dealing with pornography and lust. And, and, and the woman in the marriage is not insecure because you're consistently comparing her to people that aren't real. I'm talking real, sexy, sexy, sexual. Man, I'm going to have fun. Intimacy, like godly intimacy. I, I, I'm not embarrassed. I hope you aren't, right? So we're going to have fun. And this, this book is, is incredibly incredibly detailed in fact it is so detailed it is so open that there was a rabbi a first century rabbi who said don't ever read this book till you turn 30 there was another guy named adam clark he wrote a bible commentary he said if you're a pastor don't ever preach on song of solomon don't ever take your church to the gutter baby this is journey church we're going to the gutter you see for me it's it's going to be a win in, in my house and with my kids if if I do a good job of teaching them about godly intimacy and sexuality, like when I see the little fingers coming up through my, through my door because my little boys know, hey, the door's locked, you know, if the door's locked, go away, and they're like under there giggling, and they know, like I, I'm not embarrassed of that. What I'm doing is I'm going, yes, God, they see, this is good. Like they, they, when I come up and I, and I grab their mom and, and they say, kiss her, and I say, no problem. And they laugh. They, they know this is good. Like, I, I refuse to allow some punk 13 zit-faced kid to pull out some por- pornographic material that he's got emailed or texted to him from some girl, and that be the first introduction that they have into sexuality. I refuse to let some eighth-grade teacher teach them that they've evolved and this and this has happened. I, I want to teach them that God made this, and it's, and it's good. That not only is, is it good when you're, when you're 22, it's still good when you're, when you're 50. That God has a, a good plan for intimacy and sexuality. And so we're going to dive into this, into this book. And the coolest thing about this book is it's written by a man named Solomon. The Bible calls him the wisest man that's ever lived. And I never really understood what time that he wrote this from because the history of Solomon is not only did he have one wife, he ended up having about 700 wives. He got himself in trouble. Not only did he have 700 wives, but, but the Bible estimates that he had over 300 concubines, sex slaves. So he wrote this book at some point before all that went on. And, and one commentary I read said he wrote this book from an old age. And he basically is writing is, hey, I messed up. I, I love that about, about people. I don't want somebody to share with me advice that's never been through anything, right? I want somebody to share with me some advice that's been through some stuff, that's made some mistakes. This is an older man who's made a lot of mistakes. And what he is saying is, I want to teach you, don't make the same mistakes that I've made. Don't go through the same heartache that I've gone through. Let me show you how it's really supposed to look. And so what we have is we have a poem, a book. It's poetry between a man and a woman. And and you know you can't have a relationship without the woman's friends, right? And so a man... A woman and the friends, you're going to notice in this, in this book that the, the woman talks more. Some stuff never changes, right? But, but it's, it's just poems. It's, come on. It's poems. It's poems that are just written. It's a love story taking you from, from meeting to, 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 to marriage to after being married. How are we going to deal with, with marriage now? It's a great book, and we're going to have a great time. So in a few weeks, we're going to deal with different topics. But today, the topic of, of the message is... It is finding the right person to marry. Finding, if you're already married, maybe you can apply some of these things to, to, to your marriage. If you're, you're dating somebody, maybe you get your, your notebook out and you make a little checklist. And if they don't match up with one of these checklists, you go, 
Nope. Just write them a little, send them a little, a little text after church. We're breaking up. <laughs> right? That's not laughing today. That's crying. <laughs> Finding the right person to marry. Because let me tell you something. Marrying the wrong person is torture. Some of y'all know that. I'm praying for you. Like, don't make the mistake of, of sacrificing and making unwise decisions on this side. This is what's about to happen. And so here's what's so good about this, about dating, about looking for the right person. Here's what I need you to understand. If you're single and you desire sexual intimacy, which is most of us, right? If you desire sexual intimacy, you are called to pursue marriage. That, that's biblically what you're supposed to do. If you're a dude... Right? 50% of us in here, hopefully. If you're a dude, you should be pursuing marriage and becoming a father. Did you hear me? If you're a male, you should, if you want to have sex, if you, if you want to do it God's way, you should be pursuing marriage. And if God allows you, there's nothing better than becoming a father. I didn't get no amens there. You should not date anyone that you wouldn't marry. So you're on a date with them and you're like, I don't like them. But because I'm insecure, because I'm lonely, because I'm bored, I'll go out with them again. I want to show you, like here's things. I'm going to give you five really clear things we see in Song of Solomon 1 that if they don't have and you desire to have sexual intimacy, a healthy sex life, a great marriage, and they don't have any of these five or they're missing one of these five, you should probably go, nope, because there's nothing worse than being married to the wrong person. And so here they are. Number one is this. Are they marriage? Material, number one, real important. Something that I think is lacking pretty much everywhere, character. Especially, look, some of, like the Song of Solomon is actually written for, for females. You, like, there's a book called Proverbs. There's a lot of things in there about looking for a wife. But the Song of Solomon is actually written to the single females of that time. So, so if you're a female, you really want to be taking notes. But if you're, if you're a male in here, you should just write these down. Because the very first one is character. We're going to jump into the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 1, and this is what it reads. In Song of Solomon, chapter 1, it says, Solomon's Song of Songs. That means this one, this is, this is going to be a good one. This is the Song of Songs, not just the song. And then he says this in verse number 2, and this is the girl talking to notice. He didn't even get to talk yet, right? She says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. We're going right in, right? For your love is more delightful than wine. She says, I'd rather kiss you than get drunk. I'd rather kiss you than be relaxed by a cup of wine. She's going right out there. So what I need you to understand is these feelings you have for the opposite sex, these feelings you're having for somebody you're not married to, completely natural, but dangerous. If you don't do things in God's timing, it always leads to disaster. So I want you to see, she says, I, I deeply and desperately want to kiss. I want to make out with this guy. I, his, his kisses to me are going to be better than the best wine. But then she says something really important. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfume. What kind of dude is this? Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder all the young women love you. No wonder they all love you. Take me away with you. She's in a hurry. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. You're going to see she's really just excited. They're not doing this yet. She is super excited, but she says something really important in there. She says, here's why I am so intoxicated by you. Not because you're a hottie with a body. Not because you smell good. That's not what she's saying. 
Not because you exercise, not because you take really good selfies on Instagram, not because you got a nice car, not because of any of those things. She said, your name is like the choicest perfume. What she means is, at that time, bathing was not always an option. And so what they would do is, is they would take essential oils, I believe something like that, frankincense, something like that. And they would bathe themselves in these oils when they couldn't get to an actual bath because it would keep the stink away. And so you could smell people before they, they were coming, those who were bathed. And so what she was saying is, is your name, who you are, it goes before you. Like, it's not just that you're good looking, it's that you have character. It, it, it's that you're actually a godly guy. You actually, you actually are who you're supposed to be. You do what you say you, you're going to do. You have character. And here's the problem with so many people in, in church is you start to date somebody and, and, and I always want to say, are they, Christ, are they Christian? And this is what people say. Well, they go to church. I didn't say, are you playing a character? I said, they have character. You want to believe how much bad crap goes on at Journey Church? Just our church. I don't want to talk about other churches. We are jacked up as every other church. <laughs> Got people posting Bible, Bible verses online, all sorts of stuff like that. And then you know those people are doing things they're not supposed to be doing because for some reason it always gets back to the pastor. I don't even ask for it. It just gets back. People sleeping with each other outside of marriage. People doing things they shouldn't be doing. Shacking up. Are you dating a Christian? Well, yeah, he's a, he's a Christian. She's a Christian. No, no, no. I'm not asking if you're dating somebody who is a character at church. I'm asking you if you're dating somebody who has character. There's, there's a difference. Who, who wants and desires to become more like Jesus. Who loves Jesus, watch this, more than they love you. Because the only way they're going to love you is if they love Jesus because you're jacked up. Come on. The only way somebody's going to put up with you for the next 50 years is when they understand Jesus and they realize he's been putting up with them. The only way they're going to forgive your morning breath and every other bad attribute that you have is when they realize how much they've been forgiven. They're developing character. And so what I want to know is, is the person you're dating, do they have what I would call godly character? And here, here's some ways you know that. Here's a couple ways you know they have godly character. You need to ask yourself, are they honest and trustworthy? And there's nothing worse to being married to somebody you can't trust. Do they keep stuff away from you? Do they, do they worry when you're on, when you're, let me see your phone. No. Trying to be, be, be like a little, make me a little boy. You don't even look at my phone. No, no, let you read. The reason you're like that is because you have something to hide. You got codes and everything. You're looking at stuff you're not supposed to be looking at. Man, you want to date somebody you can trust. You want to date somebody who you can look at and go, man, I know they're telling me the truth. I know they're not lying to me. I, I know when they say they're going to do something, they're actually going to do it. Like these are the type of people you want to have. Let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than being married to somebody you can't trust. And there is nothing better. There is nothing better than waking up every day. Man, me and my wife don't always get along. We fought on the way to church today. She was late getting up. She woke up late. She made me late for church. Our gas was almost out. Our Dunkin' Donuts was closed. One of my sons broke a lamp in the mom's room. Another one laid on the ground, said he needed to throw up. We had an awful morning. We got to get up here and preach, right? We're not cursing each other out in the car. She was, not me. <laughs> it wasn't happening. Took that one a little too far. Our life is not always perfect. Let me tell you something. There's nothing better than waking up and trusting each other. There's nothing better. 
There's nothing better in our kids. You, you, you want to you raise insecure kids? Raise them in a home where you can't trust each other. Raise them in a home when there's a threat of an affair or threat of pornography or threat of whatever, whatever else that you're going to allow to come into your home. Are they honest and trustworthy? Here's a couple more. Are they quick to apologize? No. But we're working on it. Are they dependable? Are they dependable? Are they responsible? For some of you young girls, you're, 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 some of the things you look at, for guys, it's like, you know, they're, they're so disgusting. I don't like that guy. He's not attractive to me. He has a job. Ugh. Meanwhile, you're rolling with the dude at church. You're like, where do you work? I don't. I'm an artist. You're an artist of what? Like, dude, are you dating somebody that, like, has a job? Like, responsible. They get up, and they go to work, and they pay bills, and they save money, and they have their own car, and they're, sometimes it's, I, they're licensed. Like, when I was a kid, when you turned 16, you wanted to get your license. Now you talk to people, you're like, you got your license? I'm working on it. I've had my permit for six years. <laughs> so I'm figuring out that parallel thing. Are they responsible? Are they dependable? Here's a good one. Are they generous? Are they generous? Don't marry a guy that's not generous, please. First question you should ask him is, do you tithe? Yeah. Not what kind of car do you have? Any loser can get a car and put it on seven, seven years of payments. That's $365. Do you, do you put God first? Do you, do you, are you generous? Are, are, are you giving? Here's why. Because when you don't put God first, your money is always cursed. You don't want to go in a relationship with somebody who's cursed. Are, are, you, are you generous? Are you responsible? Do they have character? And this, I love this part. Watch this. Her friends, they, they chime in, right? Like, the friends always chime in, right? But she says in, in, in the next verse, it says, We rejoice with you, and we delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. We're even excited about this. Here's a question you ask. If you get, bring a new boyfriend, boyfriend home, and you have family around, that they're, they're mature, responsible, wiser than you, and your family tells you we don't like him, please don't see somebody's potential. You can't change somebody. You cannot, oh, I see their potential. They, just nobody knows them like I do. No, everybody knows them. You're a fool. <laughs> like if they don't pass the friend test, or your friends are like, I like him. He's kind. He's generous. He has character. And they're going, I don't know if I like him. You just don't know him like I do. You don't see his potential. I am all for potential. I believe that God can change somebody's life, but you are bad motivation to change. And if you don't like the way he is now, don't marry him because men don't change. They don't go up. If they're not working when you find them and they're not running uphill and trying to get better, they're not going to get married and go, you know what? Now that I got you, now I need to change. They're going to go, whoa. Like, that run was driving me nuts. Thank you for marrying me, right? So uh, do they have character? Come on. Num number two. Do they make you feel safe and secure? I, I know we live in a world that says, you know, men and, men and women, they do the same things. Anything a man can do, you can do. Anything a woman can do, I can do. It's, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's literally, it's one of the dumbest things in the world. What, what that means is, if you just take that, that thing, it means I can have a baby. And it means you, 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 you can do things. I mean, it just... 
logically it does not make sense. I, I get it because, because the message has always been, you know, men up here and, and women kind of down here. But that's not the biblical concept. The biblical concept is, is man out in front of, of a female, but not out in front because they're better than you, out in front because they're going to protect you. Out in front because they're actually tough. Where are the men at? They're actually, they're actually going to work. When, when stuff, when stuff goes, goes, goes down and, and, and life hits and you need more money, they're not on the couch laying saying they're tired. They're saying, I got another job. I'll get another job. I'll do what I'm supposed, supposed to do. I got this family. You see, what happens is when, when the men stop acting like men, then the women have to start acting like men. And that was never supposed to, listen, you're a single mother, I get it, you're having to take care of kids, but in God's way, like in a healthy marriage, the man is supposed to be leading his family, making his family feel safe and secure. I don't care what they show you on TV, that's not biblical manhood. Biblical manhood, the man is protecting, the man is pastoring, the man is providing. That's, what, that's what's about to happen in this thing. Watch, watch what she says in verse number, number four. She says, how right they are to adore you. She's talking again. And then she says this. She says, dark am I yet lovely, daughters of Jerusalem, dark like the tents of Kedar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Don't stare at me because I'm dark, because I'm darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of their vineyards, my own vineyard I had to neglect. Now, you're going to notice the rest of this, this book, when she talks about vineyard, she's talking about her body. And what she's saying is, she's saying, I have some insecurities. I have some things I don't feel safe about. Let me open up and tell you what they are. When I was younger, my brothers, because they were angry at me, they made me go out and work in the physical vineyard, and my skin got dark. At that time, unlike our time, you see, now we, we go to tanning beds, and we lay out, and we get, we get dark, we get cancer, we, get, you know, we look like leather by the time we're 40. <laughs> but in that time, the richer you were, the less the sun touched your skin. And so what she was saying, she was saying is, you're the, you're the king. You could have any girl that you want. Do what you live in the palace and you've picked me, but I gotta tell you, I'm struggling with some insecurity. My skin, I'm not proud of it. I don't want you to look at me, I don't want you to, to not like me. And what she's doing is she's opening up her heart and she's allowing him to go, Baby, of all the people in the world, you're the finest. You are my standard of beauty. You, you make your wife or your, 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 your girlfriend feel secure when they, they understand. You're not lusting every girl that walks by. You're not just being a boy, right? You're, you're, not, you're not going to the gym and looking at girls. You're not looking at pornography because that's what everybody else does. You're not watching shows that you shouldn't be watching. You're looking at your, your spouse. If you're not married, you ain't even looking at your girlfriend yet. You're, you're, you're fixing your eyes on things that are more important. But after you get married, your eyes are fixed on your spouse and making her your standard of beauty. And your eyes are closed. You made a covenant with your eyes to only look at your wife and your wife only she's my standard of beauty and you're protecting her from her insecurities protecting her from from the lies of the world that says you're only as valuable as your body does your body compare to this photoshop body no girl you're fine i can't believe i get to be with you your skin's dark i like dark you gain some weight all the right places girl your hair's not done. I like the messy bun today. <laughs> you got no makeup on because you were so busy with the, with the kids? I like the natural look. Like you, You're just making her feel safe and, and secure. Some of you girls, you date somebody, and, and the truth is, 
If I said, does he make you feel safe? No, he doesn't. But he's funny. <laughs> Which is important, but it's not lasting, right? Like, it's a good thing, but does he make you feel safe and secure? Is he your pastor? Does he spiritually lead you? Is he coming to church even without you when you can't come? Is he leading your family well? Is he a provider? He's a hard worker. Is he protecting your house? He's your pastor, your provider, and your protector. And men, some of you are saying, that seems like a lot of work. You're darn straight it is. Does he make you feel safe and secure? Number, number three, does he allow you to live with godly standards? In the relationship, are you guys going to be able, if you're dating, to live with godly standards? Watch what the song, the song says. It says, it says, tell me you whom I love. She's still talking. She says, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at, at midday. And then she says this. She says, why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks with your friends, of your friends? In other words, what she's saying is, if I'm going to come meet you, I'm going to meet you during the day. We're going to talk out in the open where everybody can see. What I'm not going to do is I'm not going to be like one of those veiled women, and it was very common in that time for women to sell their bodies for stuff. Not much has changed. You might not get money, but you sell it for likes. You sell it for security. You sell it for somebody to tell you that you look good. You sell it for whatever. So these veiled women would dress themselves up, and in the, in the nighttime when the guys were going to be done work, they would, they would present themselves to the guys and show their bodies off and the guys would repay them with, with money or, 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 or crops for their bodies. She says, I'm not doing that. If you want this, I'm going to meet you at midday and then you better put a ring on it. I refuse. I refuse to do things with you that will cost me my future. I, I refuse to make allowances in, in my life to keep you. One of my favorite things about my wife when I was 20, 20, 21 years old, 22, we were dating, is she always told me, if you want to be with me, you're going to have to be like this. You're going to have to grow to this. You're going to have to become this. But if you don't, I don't need you. I like that. This girl wants to put, I, I, I am a hunter, right? I never held a gun in my life. But I'll hunt you, right? Like, okay. It like set the bar high. Like that is, that is sexy, right? Like if you want me, you have to get so close to God to get to me. My heart is going to be so focused on God that you are going to have to get to God before you get to me. That, that I am going to live with godly standards. And if you want to date me, you're going to have to do the same thing as well. So, so here's some things you're going to do. You're, you're not going to sacrifice your relationship with God. Please. I can't tell you how many times I see a female, they're running after God, and then all of a sudden they got a, they got a dog. And all of a sudden they're, they're not at church as much. They're, they're doing things with that guy that you know they shouldn't be doing. You're like, you're going you're gonna to compromise your relationship with God for that? Compromise relationship with God. I'm not going to compromise my standards. There's things that I won't do. Here, here's, some, here's some biblical ones, and these are ones that, that you... You don't have a choice on if you want to follow Christ. I will not have sex outside of marriage. Okay, let's go to the next point. That's it. I mean, could you imagine if we just stopped doing that? I, until I get married, I'm not going to have sex. In fact, I'm not going to do anything that makes me want to have sex. I'm going to stay as far away from you as I possibly can because after we get married, I want to stay with you all the time. 
In, in, in other words, I'm not going to compromise today because compromise today costs God's calling tomorrow. I'm not going to compromise. And here's, no, I'm not going to play house. We're just going to live together, see if, see, if, see if we like each other. Here's a newsflash for you. You won't like each other all the time because you're living with somebody else that does not do the things you want to do, dress the way or put your clothes away the way you want them to be, cook and clean up the dishes the way you want them to clean them up, spray the pledge on the table the way you want them to spray the pledge, and do everything and breathe the way you want them to breathe. You're going to fight. You don't need to live with somebody before you get married to figure out sometimes you're going to fight with each other when you live together. Don't play house. Don't compromise. Don't do things today that are going to hurt you tomorrow. Number, number four is this. This one's really good. Are they attentive to you? Females. I'm not talking about men. All of a sudden, you know, you got these really emotional men in 2017. I just want her to be... Bleh. Not you, dude. Stop. Please. <laughs> We're going to talk about you in a couple weeks, right? <laughs> I'm talking about for the females. Is he attentive to you? I'm not talking about like the females that need you with them 100, 100% of every day. Like, I'm not talking about that. What, what I am talking about, is, is he an attentive person? Like an attentive person? Is he going to be a good husband that, that, that's attentive to your needs? Is he going to actually, does he actually talk to you? Like not, not just talk to you to get you into, into your bed. You see, that's what happens when you bring intimacy in, into, your, into your life before you get married is everything becomes about, about sex. So all of a sudden, you stop talking. Even when he's talking to you, he's just trying to move you towards, towards that. And so what you do is you pull that away and you say, no, no, we need to form emotional intimacy right now. We, we, need, to, we need to connect on a different level. And so the question is, is he attentive? I don't want to show you this. And here you'll notice is the first time that he taught because the first lesson in being attentive is you have to listen, which is one of the worst and hardest things in the world for men, right? Amen. You have to listen when you don't care. Write that down. <laughs> don't show your wife you're writing that, right? Listen when you don't understand. Listen when they're sick again for the 10th day in a row with something new. Come on. This is true, ladies. Listen when you're tired. Listen when the game's on. I just went over to, what a step back. Listen when you're tired, right? Listen, listen to what he says. He, lo he looks at her and he says, he, first time he's talking in the whole book, by the way, I want you to see what he leads with. I liken you, my darling, to a mare, a horse, among Pharaoh's horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. You notice he's not focusing on anything below her neck. That'll preach. You will make, we will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. He says, baby, you look like a horse. You bared your soul to me. You, you, you've told me what your struggles are. We, we've talked, you've, you've talked for literally the first bunch of verses of this chapter. And I'm going to leave with one line. Baby, you look like a horse. So you need a little context of that, right? The Pharaoh's horses were always white, and they were considered gods. And so what he was saying is next to heaven, on this side of it, you're the best thing since then. Like, you are like heaven to me. Just got a lot sexier, right? Not you're a horse. You're like heaven. Listening to you. They haven't done any making out. They haven't done anything physical. He says, listening to you, just being with you is like heaven heaven to me so then she says 
While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. We don't know what that means, but it sounds good, right? My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of En Gadai. And then he, he says something again. He listens to her talk. You can just see the excitement, right? And he says, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. And he says, once again, he keeps it up top above, above the neckline. He says, your eyes are like doves. In other words, ladies, don't you always want a man that will look you right in the eyes? He looks right in the eyes. He says, girl, your eyes. They're like white doves. You're like a horse. I mean, this guy is attentive to her needs. This is the type of guy that's going to do dishes someday. Come on. This is the type of guy who understands that you as a husband, the average husband in America, adds seven hours of work a week to their wife. Because they don't do wash. And they don't clean. And they don't do dishes, and they don't pick up their dirty underwear, and they don't make beds, and they can't help the kids get ready in the morning, and they don't brush their own teeth or their kids' teeth, and they don't do all this stuff. Could you imagine if we just stopped being little boys? This is the kind of dude that says, I do dishes. I spray 409. I realize that 409 might turn you on. I spray it everywhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> Write that down. This is the type of guy who does dishes. This is the type of guy who turns off the TV and talks to you. Like even when the Sixers Summer League is on. They turn off TV. This is the type of guy who shows you affection outside the bedroom. Like he's not just coming up to you about 30 minutes before time to go to bed. Baby, you're sexy. She goes, boy, you ain't talked to me for the last 17 hours. I know what you're trying to do. No, I'm not, girl. You know I love you. But seriously, how about that bedroom? This is the type of guy who doesn't, he just comes up and he gives you a hug because he loves you. He says, hey, you want to talk tonight? He said, it's out of time to talk. Like, this is the type of guy that every girl dreams of. And when you start to become this guy, you get a wife that every dude dreams of. Lastly, number, number four. Is I think you'll see, and I told you fun is, is, a, is a good one, that he, this dude is just fun to be around. Listen to what she says at the end of this, as we close this out. She says in verse, in verse number 16, she's talking again. She says, how handsome you are, my beloved. Watch this. How charming you are. I bet he is. And he said, she says, and our bed is verdant. And so I read that. I'm like, girl, she's trying to, she's not married yet. This ain't right. So I did a little study on it. And she is not trying to describe Solomon's bedroom as having a green sheet. Because what dude has a green sheet? That's not what she's saying. She's saying our bed is verdant. What she's saying is we spend our time out in the fields together. We're not in the bedroom. Because here's how I notice. Because then Solomon starts to talk. And Solomon has a palace, y'all. I mean, he's living large. And what he says is he says the beams of our house are cedars and the rafters are firs. I don't think he's describing her future house. I think what he's saying is, we have a good time together. We run around the woods, we play peekaboo, we carve our names in the tree, S plus whatever your name is. We go on dates together. We have, we have a good time. We're emotionally getting connected, having intimacy emotionally long before we ever have physical intimacy. 
Which, by the way, after you get married, if you're having a hard time with physical intimacy, which a lot of couples do, it's because before you got married, you spent your whole time focusing on physical intimacy. But after you get married, you need emotional intimacy to have physical intimacy. That, that's how it works. You need to emotionally be connected to, to your wife. We're going to talk about these things over the next few weeks. But you'll see what she's saying is, we have a good time together. You're actually like taking me out on, on, on dates. You pay for me when we go. I know it's 2017 and you can do your own thing. But my gosh, find a dude that will pay for you on a date. Find a guy that's not going to complain. Find a guy that's going to pick you up at your door. Find a guy that's going to open your door for you before you get in. Find a guy that's okay with dropping you off after he's paid for dinner and he's paid for coffee and he's paid for ice cream and he's paid for whatever else you want because he likes you so much and he is okay with dropping you off at the door and he doesn't need anything from you. Come on, that's good. Find a guy that doesn't think he deserves something for being a guy. Find somebody you have fun with. Your fun doesn't just happen in the bedroom, he's saying. Our fun happens everywhere. You want the product. You got to trust the process. And I can promise you, any one of those five that you compromise on today, it will hurt you tomorrow. There's not a counselor that can fix that. Solomon's saying, hey, hey, before you do, what's my hope for this first week? Break you up if I need to. That's it. If you're dating the wrong person, or you've been thinking about dating the wrong person, or you continue to date the wrong people, I hope you listen to this message that the Spirit, because these aren't my words, that the Spirit of the Lord, that His power, His words would take shape in your life, and something would happen inside of you, and you would go, this is it, I'm done with this. Because I can't get to where God wants me to be and be stuck in this current situation that I'm in. Could you imagine that? You keep playing with the wrong thing walking around the wrong pet relationship that you have. You're in church sitting by the wrong guy and Mr. Wright's in the front and he's worshiping and you catch his eye and he sees you, but he's a godly man. He's like, I ain't messing with that. I ain't dating her. Why? Because she's attracted to the wrong person. You're going to be like, no, for you. I'm telling you, a little bit of pain right now sends you a li- saves you a lifetime of pain tomorrow. A little bit. Nothing worse than being married to the wrong person. Would you stand with me all over this?